This is the Think LA podcast from Los Angeles, the center of advertising, marketing, and media. Thanks for joining us. Our episode today is a recording from April 23rd, 2020, as part of our Think Thursday series, Maintaining a Culture of Inclusion. Our speakers discuss the care and maintenance of diversity and inclusion initiatives in this new age of distributed and remote work. They talk about the emotional labor of making sure every voice is heard, that you're standing up for each person, even though your workforce is pretty much everywhere. Our speakers are Aaron Walton, president of Walton Isaacson, Laura Small, VP, director of people at RPA, Bianca Wilson of SaySpace, and Bridget Coulter of Blackbird. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to our Think Thursdays webinar series. I'm Andrea Green, operations manager with Think LA and a member of our Diversity, Inclusion, and Gender Committee, also known as DIG. We're so happy that you could join us today. I have just a few announcements before we begin our conversation. Check out our website at thinkla.org for upcoming webinars, events, and membership information. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter for many great articles and resources. Today, we are so very fortunate to have members, colleagues, and friends of the Think LA community discuss how we continue to maintain diversity and inclusion. Joining us today are Aaron Walton, President of Walton Isaacson, Laura Small, VP, Director of People at RPA, Bianca Wilson of Safe Space, and Bridget Coulter of Blackbird. As you listen to our insightful and thoughtful speakers, please submit your questions at any time during the session via the Q&A button at the bottom of your Zoom screen. We really, really are excited to discuss how we maintain diversity and inclusion initiatives in this new age of remote work. Thank you all again for being Thank here today. Again. And with that being said, let's get started. So this first question is for all of our guests. If each of you could introduce yourself and tell us how your company is keeping diversity and inclusion as an important action item with this new way of communicating and connecting when everyone is everywhere. You could also tell us a little bit about your company as well. Aaron? Can we get started with you? Sure. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for including me. Sorry, I was having a little few technical issues uh, joining, but uh, hopefully it's you can okay. hear me okay. Good? Awesome. Uh, well, first of all, um, my name is Aaron Walton. I am the CEO of Walton Isaacson. We are a full-service uh, advertising agency. Uh, we have offices, well, I was going to say we have offices in New York, Chicago, LA, and Dallas, but now we have uh, you know, offices wherever our employees and team members are, are living. So we've got multiple offices across the country now given the stay-at-home order. Um, you know, I know this may sound a little kind of off based on the question you said, and I don't want it to sound snarky, but, you know, this idea that DNI is an action item uh, on a list uh, isn't kind of in itself an example of, of what I believe is you know, what's wrong with the industry and, and others who treat that topic that way. You know, it's, it smacks a little bit uh, of privilege uh, as if 
you know, this is something that can be turned on and off when it's convenient. I'm a black gay man who's, you know, black and gay 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and my employees are, are every color, every culture under the sun. And so it's not an action item uh, that gets reprioritized. It's, it's in the air <laughs> that we breathe. It's expected of all of our colleagues, white and, and otherwise. Um, so for us, it's really about um, making sure that we're all aesthetic uh, to cultural fluency. Um, it's a required skill set uh, at our agency. And either you have it or you get it, right? So ignorance for, for us is not an option anymore. There's plenty of information out there. And you can make mistakes, but you have to at least try, right? So to answer your question, um, I would say that our company is keeping uh, an eye on um, the question, I guess, was the ways you keep the company uh, is, for us, never uh, put on that list. We have it as a non-negotiable, uh, it's always on the list uh, of things that uh, we do. So. Um, that's kind of who we are and what we stand for and, and what we believe. Okay. Good morning. Thank you so much for that amazing intro and start to this, Erin. Um, so I'm a co-founder of Safe Space, which is a diversity and inclusion consultancy. So you could say that our whole mission, <laughs> like it's not, it's not like it ever went anywhere kind of like you, Aaron, like we, li we live it, we breathe it. I'm a black woman, I'm a proud black woman. And so for me, it's not just an identity, it's, you know, it's a way of life. And so um, the mission and the core mission and the commitment of Safe Space has always been and always will be to build a collective of thriving and equitable companies who are also making a positive impact in the world. And I can't think of a more opportune time when that's so relevant of making a positive impact in the world. And um, diversity and inclusion is often put as like this side conversation it's something that like has to be managed it's something that has to be like it's a sidebar and if we have time we'll get to it our whole commitment is that it's one conversation so i think right now more than ever having that be front line as as access to whatever it is that we need as opposed to something that needs to be like we got to figure that out later is more important than ever and the way that we're doing it <laughs> besides the fact that we're a consultancy that's focused on it, the way that we're specifically keeping it alive and keeping it front and center um, and top of mind is that we actually have a program right now uh, for diversity and inclusion change agents and leaders within organizations. And the whole intention of it is that they are given structures and accountability and coaching and access to resources where they can keep their initiatives not only alive, but actually thriving. So for us, it's about empowering the people who are on the front lines, who are doing this work actively day in and day out, whether it's their main job or it's a side passion that they happen to take up at their organization. It's like, how can we keep that life flow going? How can we keep the blood in those veins so that this situation, again, is an opportunity and not a roadblock to, to the things that they're already creating in their company? Thank you, Bianca. Thank you, I really agree with that with you and Aaron. It really is a way of life and it really should be something that we practice daily. Um, Bridget, love to hear from you. 
Hi, thank you. Hello, um, my name is Bridget Coulter. I am a CEO and founder of Blackbird. I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I have uh, a design firm that I've run for the last 15 years. And similar to Aaron and Bianca, diversity is and inclusion is just integral in, and as well as sustainability, is just integral in the way that I operate, think, work, and in terms of the way I hire. Uh, I've always um, hired a majority women, always equal pay um, that I would charge to anyone else. And I've learned um, a lot about uh, even in working in Blackbird, our whole mission is seeped in the idea of advancement for women of color and her allies. So for me, diversity and inclusion also includes remembering not to be exclusive on the other end um, and understanding that this conversation requires all of us to be united in it. And, and in some ways, the allies have a greater responsibility for understanding and, and participation because they have sometimes more voice than we have. Um, and you know, with all that's happening right now, we are, the challenge for us is that we are a space that was created to literally have amenities and, and creativity and inspiration in physical space. And we are now challenged with how do we keep this diversity and inclusion, which you see instantly by walking in our space, how do we keep that in this virtual space? Um, and we immediately pivoted to social media, reach out and um, putting our members into a virtual world where we have these conversations. And, you know, we'll go deeper into that. But for us, it's, it's such a infused core of how we think, uh, how our company culture works, where we, anywhere we're missing, you know, even as a, a, a multicultural black woman, we miss and I have to go deeper in and go, okay, this is a great time for us to have introspection, to look at how we've operated. We're only four months into operating before this happened. So um, we're learning so much. We have, it, I feel like it's been a gift because we had this time in, in this intensely amazing, vibrant events and membership to then like learn how do we infuse that in the virtual world and make sure we're inclusive and then see where we weren't and learn from that. So the new way of communicating, I feel has created an incredible opportunity to reach a broader audience. And now our member, we have members in New York who are like, when are you coming to New York? And we just started, who are now very infused in it and bringing an East Coast sensibility that, you know, we're very West Coast. And then we have people from Africa who've chimed in. And it's just really been an amazing opportunity to talk about these issues. And our, our whole platform is based on having these uh, courageous conversations. So our wellness balance is just infused in what we're doing. So it, it's challenging, but it's definitely been incredibly inspiring to meet and expand our network so quickly on a, on a scale that we didn't expect to happen until year two. Wow. Thank you, Bridget. That's, that's really key, too, because with everyone just going virtual, they're looking for information and they're learning. So the opportunities, as you mentioned, are just amazing right now. Laura, how about you today? Thank you. I'm so glad to be a part of this. And this is the kind of event I would have signed up for were I not already participating as a panelist. So I'm already so glad to be here and so glad to be learning from all of you. Uh, but as Andrea said, I'm Laura Small. I'm the VP People Director at RPA. We are a 650 plus uh, person uh, independent agency in Santa Monica. 
And um, this topic is very near and dear to my heart and always has been. And RPA's model, motto is people first. So when we talk about inclusion, we're, we're talking about embracing everything about people and, and encouraging people to bring their authentic selves to work. And I was joking with, with Andrea before we went live on the call. I think the gift that this time has brought us is we are getting to see the whole person. Like I'm loving that I'm seeing Aaron's library behind him and I'm, I, I'm getting a different perspective on him as a result of that. And, you know, getting a window into people's lives and embracing that opportunity and what it can, can teach us about each other and how we show up for one another. Um, to me, that's been the, the benefit of this time that I certainly wasn't expecting at the outset. So um, excited to be having this conversation now. Awesome. Thank you so much. It, it's, it's amazing and just refreshing to hear everyone say, you know what, it's really just a way of life and it should just be happening at all times. And that really is key and, and important. It's, and as Aaron and um, Bianca mentioned and Bridget, everybody, that it's not a list. It's just life. That's what it is. And um, really appreciate all your answers for that. Um, Bridget, this, this question actually kind of has to do with what you mentioned a little bit before. It has to do with communication. You mentioned, you know, physical inclusion. Um, and virtually, um, virtually. Translate. Oh, you went a little digital. So how does physical conclusion um, translate to virtual inclusion with regards to diversity, you know, communication and communication? Um, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, one of the things that we're finding is really because we had this opportunity. I don't know if it's my double. Are you guys hearing double or is it just me? No, I'm not. I was before. Okay. I think I'm okay now. Okay. Um, one, of the, um, one of the things that we're learning and that's been our mission in this last six weeks of just pivoting and adjusting is how does the physical space translate to virtual, which is your question. And that's been our question for ourselves. And we're finding that um, because there's so many tools that have been out there and we're just like everyone else, we're using Zoom. I've always used Zoom as a designer for years because you can share screen and get a lot of work done, but I've never used it so much in this way of staying connected. Um, and another part of it that's been pretty interesting is how to look at not just virtual, but communication through email, through any of the chats you use or the Asanas or the Slacks is how are your teams included in those conversations? And because our team is so small, we somebody who came on as a community associate is was always key as that role, but because they're not interfacing, the, their role has expanded and they're growing and all of us are, are just um, really stepping up to a higher level of interaction with our members, meeting them in, in a way through the virtual has been, um because everybody like what Laura was saying, everyone's at home so we're comfortable we're talking from our authentic selves the values that we have we're sharing and talking about so this physical virtual has been pretty interesting i still miss that tangible um part of it but we exist as a as a diverse space Our, we're 80 percent women of color and 20 percent allies and men so if we have one Zoom call, it's the picture of it. But then in terms of the action of it and the conversations and what people need, um, we're getting to 
in a way get deeper into some of that work than we were in the physical when you're also dealing with operations. So it's pretty interesting. You know, can I, can I say something too? It's really interesting um, with Zoom, right? Because, you know, we're all in these one dimensional kind of video boxes, right? And you, you're seeing the whole, the whole palette. And I become more aware um, than ever that often I'm the only chip in the cookie, right? I'm the only black executive uh, on the call or the only, maybe not as uh, noticeable that, you know, I mean, a gay LGBTQ executive, but um, it, it's really interesting for me to kind of see that dynamic and it becomes much more apparent uh, to me about the lack of diversity in some things and, and the importance of making sure that the team is really well represented. And the other thing that I realized was that you know, as incredible as it is to see each other's spaces, and I become really uh, cognizant of the fact that, um, you know, not everyone has easy access to, you know, high-speed internet, and, and there are things that, you know, impact how that works and, and how we kind of uh, connect. And not everyone's, you know, quarantine reality is my quarantine reality. So you become a little bit more uh, aware and sensitive to that sort of stuff. And I don't know if you guys have felt the same or noticed it, but it's certainly something that has become kind of very tangible and on top of mind for me. That's a great point. And I agree. And it really agree. does. It really it does. Sort of divides sort of divides this disparity between, disparity you know, between, if you come, you know, from, a if you come of, from a place of what ends up being ends up being privileged, of having a high of speed, having a high speed in a neighborhood where it's easily accessible versus at work when there was no you know we're all kind of on a playing field that's a really great point mm -hmm. that's a key part of diversity that's also part of it not everyone has that the bandwidth not everyone has like the backgrounds and everyone has the lighting in the space or even the computer equipment that we need so you know that's an important part, part of the whole diversity process itself you know that we have to think about as a company do my employees have what they need be able to function you know if they don't have it at home they may not have that so that's a key part yeah. as well. I love that you brought that up Aaron and that was something that came up for us early early on and what we basically did is we set up appointments for employees to come in and get the equipment that they needed um, to be able to work from home and we had our IT people troubleshooting one of our IT guys actually went to someone's house early on um, just to to help people with that stuff because you're right we make assumptions about um, our own our, our own lives and, and sort of um, put them on other people and the reality is that other people have a lot going on whether it's you know um, a busy schedule with with now homeschooling their kids or caring for elderly parents you know you name it um, everybody's got you know something going on yeah I'm so glad you said that I literally was just talking to our head of culture and communication last night and you know so I, I'm married, but I don't have kids, right? So I don't have the responsibility of homeschooling. And it wasn't even something that I thought about until we were talking yesterday and I realized, oh, wait a minute, we've got to build in time for the staff to say, I have to shut down. I have to be a mom. I have to be a dad. Whatever it is that I have to do because, you know, our, my quarantine, like I said, is different than maybe yours or someone else's. And, and I, have a, I have to look at my own privilege 
uh, in that sense and, and make sure that I too am playing it forward and uh, being more responsive to the needs of, of the staff. I feel like it's really making us think a lot more now about, yeah. about what people have and don't have and how we can really be inclusive and just really thinking about life in general. Like you said, Aaron, have kids, you know, or I have other things that do. You're thinking about those things now. They're, they're, they're really important now, more so, I think, than in the physical space, in the virtual space. I think that's super important. Just and to that, that point, uh, I would add okay. that we are working on schedules. You have to also set a, a realistic set schedule because even though I, as the founder, am going to work a million hours more than anyone else, we have a, what everybody has to state their lunch time. Like, take your lunch. You're not available during that time. Go for a walk. Do whatever, whatever you need because the amount of screen time that we have right now is also quite exhausting. Um, and setting a schedule is also another way to like respect that everyone has diverse needs and. You know, somebody's cat always walks over. She knows who I'm talking about. The screen, for some reason, whenever we're having a Zoom call, her cat's like, I just I don't like this. Or people's dogs, even if they don't have kids. Like, we're learning so much about the challenges of working at home. And people who have mates who also are working from home and have to figure out if they don't have enough space to have two Zoom calls at the same time, who's going to have the Zoom call? Or is somebody going to go on the balcony with their phone? It's been really interesting. Cool. Thank you guys for that. So kind of piggybacking a little bit on what we're, what we're talking about. Um, with this virtual world of tech, you know, it might give some, like an easy out. Maybe you want to be forgiven for some microaggressions in this DNI world. Um, and that's really something obviously to think about because delivery intention, when you're trying to discuss things, what kind of tips can you offer for protocol, maybe to avoid these microaggressions and maybe go a little bit above and beyond for inclusion? Anyone can jump in. I can, I can jump in. Um, sorry, there was background noise. Um, I think, well, there are two things. I think that what's happening right now is an opportunity and it's highlighting the things that either have been already not working at an organization and the things that are working. So I think it spotlights and brings to the surface all the things that were already there, like it's not new, it's kind of like the purge. Like this is what is already there that's working. Like if you have a great, if you have a great policy for parents, right? Like that's probably gonna be highlighted now more than ever. Cause like, thank God I have this policy where I'm able to do these things. And if you don't, it's gonna be like, wow, I'm really suffering because of that. So with that said, I think with the microaggressions, like undoubtedly every organization is gonna do that. And for me, it's interesting, it's like, there shouldn't be any difference of what would be happening in real life than what would be happening virtually. And if anything, there, this is the opportunity to be more cognizant of that, to be, and I know one of the questions was around, oh, sorry, I think there was feedback. Okay. So I think one of the questions that I was looking at was like around psychological safety. And I think actually this plays right into that because we don't have the, um, we don't have the luxury anymore of having physical proximity to one another. When we have physical proximity to one another, there's, there's nonverbal cues that we can pick up on. And so intentions, I think, can be um, misguided more so, and miscommunications can be like wildly more there in the virtual space. So for us, like 
the the pillars of psychological safety are curiosity, authenticity, and responsibility. That's what across the board, and I think that really applies to what we're calling microaggressions. Do you guys hear that feedback? Yeah. Sorry. Um, and I think that that those pillars are more important than ever right now in the virtual space and being very intentional about our communication. So when I say curiosity and we're talking about microaggressions, it's really looking at, okay, like what perspective is missing in this virtual room right now? What perspective is missing on this email? Who's missing from this email? And really being aware that like we need to be, if it feels like it's being over the top and being very clear and direct in our communication, it's probably just enough. So being curious about like, what did that person mean by that? And actually bringing more compassion into the situation because we don't have the nonverbal, we don't have the energy or the or the um, proximity to one another. Um, I think also again speaking to our pillars, curiosity, authenticity. Like, how can we be more authentic in what we need right now? So, if you are an underrepresented person, or if you're an ally, or if you're someone who's new to the conversation, it's like, how can we be authentic about like? I don't know what to say in this situation or wow, I really should not have said that. Or as an underrepresented person, like being really intentional and being like, this is what I need right now. This is what didn't work for me and being, um, actually creating a space where that can be, where that can be said, because again, we don't have the luxury of not, not that being in person should make up for it, but right now more than ever, it's like things will be very mis misconstrued. Um, and then the last piece is responsibility. So, what is our 50%? There's so much that's out of our control right now. So our 50%, like what can we own? How can we be, um, how can we own the communication that we're putting forth to others? And how can we be responsible for the impact that we're gonna have on other people right now with our communication or lack of communication? So if we know that the only thing that we can control is our own, our own communication, our own perspective, our own um, way that we're gonna see the world, how can we be really cognizant of intention versus impact? Because right now, like intention can be great, but like the impact can be very uh, different than that. So I think keeping those things in mind, like being curious about the perspective, being authentic about what's there for you and what you need, and then being responsible about like, what's, what's the impact that my, my, my communication or lack of communication is happening on myself and the, the people around me. Awesome. Thank you very much, Bianca. Really appreciate that. I would be interested to know if any of you could share any stories that may have raised some new inclusivity questions because of this situation. I can share a story. Um, it's really like a general, when we moved, obviously, to um, virtual, remote work, all, the team had a meeting that last day before we were in the space. And, you know, we were all like, 10 to 22 feet apart it was before the mandate we closed before the mandate because it was just so much misinformation and a lot of the team has different work styles and we're hired to be physical in-space people and we're immediately you know we have to learn different tech and step up and then one of the things that i'm learning is the zoom calls a, a, you know, we're asking everyone to show up and put their face on and be part of the meeting. And some people are having a hard, harder time with harder that, than, time others, that than, others. than others. So there's also an emotional uh, component of it where we're going through whatever different stresses we're going through. And we have to pull it together enough to show up on screen in front of the team. Um, and so being sensitive to uh, personality styles and 
you know, our team is, is diverse. And it, within that, there's levels of like, oh, I'm super comfortable being on camera. And then there's like, oh, do I have to show up? Can I hide my hair in a hat? And, you know, there's presentation issues, um, skill sets that weren't uh, required for the in-person job that we're all like learning and researching and growing. Um, so I think part of what is really, I mean, in a way, it's like breaking my heart, even with the people I know what we're going through is this skill set and this uh, strategic thinking that I don't know that we all got. Like we're we're having to like skill set what Bianca's talking about, do it, and that's not our skill set. Is like learning new things in, in a training people to learn these new things. So this inclusive within this tiny group is really um, accentuating how much disparity there is in what we're given and what we come to the table and come to the table with brilliance, but not necessarily these skills that help you excel. And that is the part that is really, we're pivoting towards and I, you know, very much in line with Bianca's like, okay, we're gonna have to like have a session, let's have a session where we meet on this and we're doing some team training and education and all learning together. Cause I didn't know how to use some of this, some of the products that we have either. That's great. Awesome. You know, I'd also say it's interesting, you know, humor, you know, specifically jokes about things like mass, for example, trust me, I get it. Uh, humor, we need it to break tension often. Um, and it's a great way to do that. But for, you know, a lot of people of color, African Americans, Latinos, for example, wearing a mask is a real issue, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I've heard comments where you know it's like looking uh, like you're a gang member you know people talking about wearing masks and, and or a robber and it can be insensitive um and it, it can be tone deaf uh to a lot of people of color um so particularly given the fact that you know people of color those communities are dying at a much higher rate uh than other communities so you know i think we have to be sensitive to to that uh, and what Woods uh, can do and, and just be realistic about um, the impact that, that that can have on on, um, on people as they're kind of going through this stressful time. Yeah. With all that being said, you know, with, you know, maybe someone being heard or, you know, things being said that probably may not should not have been said um how can allies be supported like during meetings and video calls or or maybe even after the call or things have happened how do they how do they address it later and how can they be you know helpful and supportive andrea i'll speak to that because it's something we've been talking a lot about here as a leadership team um and i think it, it does tie back to what both bridget and bianca were saying about um being very deliberate in this time being very deliberate about how we express ourselves, um, being very aware. Like Bianca said, we don't have the luxury of physical cues as much. So um, paying attention on a call to someone who may be less comfortable or may be feeling excluded. And um, one of the things I've noticed a lot of our leaders doing is actively soliciting that person. You know, um, Jeremy, we haven't heard from you on this topic. Do you, do you have an idea to add um, where I think maybe they wouldn't have been so conscious of that before um so i i do think um 
we are certainly trying and encouraging our leaders and, and line managers as well to um, just be very deliberate about that. Awesome. Very cool. Um, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Anyone else like to chime in? Or good? Okay. Um, another question, Bianca. You did um, give us a little bit of information about the safe physical and psychological space. Um, were those what you consider to be some of the virtual best practices that we should be practicing now? We should be telling people when, you know, people are trying to practice being safe? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think that, um, um, again, not having, yeah, not having I don't, I don't oof, that feedback is rough. Um, the, the physical space aspect, I think, is really uh more critical than people have realized um and i think being i think curiosity is probably one of the biggest things right now um and i said this to someone else you know there's kind of these structures that are dissolving around us right now and they're highlighting the structures that don't work so it's time to really look at the self-work of what are the internal what are the internal structures that actually are not serving myself that are not serving the, the larger community at hand. And that takes curiosity. Like this is the time to self-reflect around like, where is my communication being inclusive? Where am I intentionally or not intentionally excluding people? So yes, it is about like really being intentional with other people, but I would say the alternative to that is like really being intentional with yourself and really looking at the hard places of like, am I actually being inclusive? Am I actually curious about that other person's experience? Am I actually curious about like what that person is going through or their perspective? Like Laura said, like, am I being intentional about making sure that um, every voice has the opportunity to be heard? It's not like they have to, you don't want to force someone, but like, do they have a space where they can feel like they can speak and say what needs to be said? Or are they going to be fearful of being um, attacked or somehow ridiculed? So I think the curiosity piece is incredibly overlooked, but kind of one of the most important pieces. Um, I'd like to, we do have a couple of questions from a couple of our participants and um, Aaron, I think this one might, maybe you can help me with this one. The first one um, says, how do you measure success? What winner goals that, and are there actual corporations, businesses pushing back? Um, you talk about the word privilege. Can you define what that means when you're saying that? So I, part of you get cut off, sorry about some technical, I heard, um, how do we define success? Yeah, let me read it one more time for you. How do you okay. measure success? What and when are goals set? Are there actual corporations, businesses pushing back? Um, and you spoke about privilege. Um, wanted to know a little bit more about that, how you define that. Yeah. So um, I'll answer the first question. The second part of that question first, and then I'll go back to defining success. Um, I think, uh, how do you define privilege? Look, look I, I would also say, you know, we, I have to be careful myself about privilege, right? I'm a gay man, um, and in the LGBTQ community, I experience very different than um, uh, trans men and women in our community, right? And so they're getting um, abused in, 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 many, in many instances in ways that I am not. So privilege isn't just about a black or white thing. I think it's, we've got to look at it in the context of, you know, who we are and, and um, understanding that there are 
things that even for, for some of us who think that we don't have the privilege of, there might be some, some things that actually are more privileged. Um, I would say that you, you can't talk about DNI without talking about privilege, right? So you can't talk about this issue without understanding um, the impact that you know, um, unconscious bias plays in how we work through uh, our lives. And we all have it to some degree. The, the trick is recognizing that we have it and then understanding what we need to do to, what are the, the tools that we need to adapt to get through that so that we can help, um, help move a project forward, help move a, a community forward. And the community in this case might be the agency, might be the company. It's not necessarily just the uh, cultural community. Um, how do I define um, uh, success? I think that is um, different for every piece of business that we work on. Uh, in general, I look at success um, in internally at how respected um, the staff is that we're working with. Because if they feel empowered, if they feel uh, a sense of, um, of power in, in as much as they can bring the true cultural sense and to, to work every day, mm -hmm. um, they are going to perform better, right? They are going to ultimately do the things that the client wants. I, we all, I always talk about um, uh, DNI not in the traditional sense. I, I, I talk about uh, DNI in terms of disruption and innovation, right? So don't think of DNI. Let's reframe what, what that means. And for us, um, making sure that clients understand that the more diverse people that they have around the table, um, the better the outcomes are going to be for their business. And the, there's a science behind that. And the science basically says that companies that are more uh, ethnically diverse are 16% more likely to outperform um, companies that aren't. Companies that are gender diverse are 32% more likely to outperform companies that, that, that aren't. And so that is very purposeful um, effort that we try to um, help clients understand if they want to perform better, that um, they have to have a diverse, um, a diverse group of people around them. And, and this is why it works, because my background, my, what, who I am, is very different than who you are, right? And so what I'm trying to do as a black gay man is to bring everything I can to the party and convince you that my point of view, my worldview is the right worldview. You're gonna do the same as a black woman trying to, and someone else is a white, you know, male is going to, and if you have this group of, of people around the table that have different ways of thinking and going through the world, what happens is the IQ of the group gets stronger and bigger and the opportunity to go out and find those nuggets of innovation become greater. Mm -hmm. And so success for me is largely um, a function of how diverse the group can be because ultimately I know that that's going to yield a better business results for the, for the client. Right. And more importantly, it's going to generate an environment uh, where people at the agency feel free to speak up and to uh, to bring their true authentic self 
to the office every day. They don't have to worry about covering. They don't have to worry about code switching. They can be who they are and yeah. understand that that's what we're paying you to do. That's what we want you to do. So, so bring that. So I don't know if I answered the question. I hope I answered the question. That was a long, was a long that, was around. that was good. Thank you so much, Erin. I really appreciate it. So then I have um, another question for you guys. You guys all pretty much come with Um With that being said, there's different budgets, different trainings regarding BNI. Um, what tools your size company? Guys, you guys are a bit larger. What what tools will work for you guys? Andrea, you broke up at the end for me. Uh, yeah, can you can you repeat the question? Absolutely. So, with different size companies, um, there's different budgets, there's different trainings um, regarding DNI. Um, what tools have worked for your size company? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyone can. Jump? I can. Yeah, I can speak that. I mean, I, we're not uh, an organization in the sense of like an RPA, an agency, or even Aaron's organization as well. But in working with these leaders, these DNI leaders from the different organizations, we're really aware of, like, especially now more than ever, what problems and what challenges are being are coming up around diversity inclusion, given what's happening financially, given what's happening with um, the physical safe space, all of that. So. I think, again, it's looking at, and then this kind of goes back to the original question, that first question you just asked, Andrew, about success. Like, what does success look like right now? And it's going to be different per organization, per size of the company. But I think it's, it's really start, starting to look at um, how much we can have diversity and inclusion be a part of the fabric and a part of what is happening on a day-to-day -day basis as opposed to and like that that does look like tangible goals but i think that the more that that conversation can be included into one goal with the company as part of the mission as part of the values as part of the the goals that are being set i think that's really imperative versus like um, these very lofty things like that's part that's the inclusion piece like diversity is obviously so important having different identities and histories and experiences but like how are we looking at the inclusion piece of like our policies how are we looking at the inclusion piece of um who is being like the pathways for people to to rise up in the company mm -hmm. so i think for me um the what we're experiencing is so many people are dealing with like budget cuts right now because d and dni is often the first thing to go so it's starting to really get curious with different leaders or the different gatekeepers to whoever is making these decisions of like what in terms of diversity including like what is important for you because you're going to kind of speak to like you're going to kind of be a little tone deaf if you don't understand what's important for the leaders for the for the organization's gatekeepers so understanding like okay what what actually would um connect this to the core mission and the core values of the organization how can dni actually already just support what we're already up to so i think really understanding the other person's because because just because i'm lit up about it and passionate and i want this does not by any means mean that the people who are making the, the, the decisions it doesn't mean that they're on the same page so it will be frustrating for you and frustrating for the other person making that assumption so again bringing that curiosity understanding like okay what is important how do we have this be like support what's already happening so 
um, yeah, that's what I would say is coming up as we talk to these different leaders and change agents within organizations of different sizes and different structures. Awesome. Thank you. And I, I can chime, I can chime in briefly on that as well in, in terms of um, the, the current situation where we're dealing with everything, a lot moving virtual, um, really assessing for me at, you know, looking at my leadership style and, and just instead of assuming everybody knows what you're thinking or um, really asking people and mining your team for talents you may not know about and checking in and saying, hey, what did, I know you came in at this, like, like it, similar to what Bianca's saying about what's your role for, what's your possibilities for advancement. I know you came in with this particular role, but what, what do you see yourself? And you, you know, you ask that question in interviewing, where do you see yourself in five years? But in, in literal day, week by week, month by month, um, asking your team, how's it going, checking in. Um, we are an inclusive team, so it's sort of internal, but we're also, you know, kind of allies and inclusive all working together. And then asking questions of allies in terms of what, how can we communicate to you some of the things that we need to have this real advancement? We have incredible, in, in a few short months, we've had incredible brand partners and community partners reaching out to us. We present diversity in our um, virtual programming and our Instagram live and showing wellness and how, how many uh, women of color, black women, women of, color, of all races come out and are connected and invested in this, this idea that wasn't really geared towards us. Um, and just by complete, completely re um, showing over and repeating these images, there's just a lot of power to images and what images you're putting out there. When you sign in sometimes to a Zoom meeting, and frankly, everybody in the Zoom meeting is a white man, what what is the visual that you're saying about your company? I've been on panels that was wonderful. I was invited to this panel in New York with the head of eight different co-working spaces, flex office spaces. They were all white men and I was the only person of color and the only woman. And that, just that existence of how hard it is to do the things that we're doing. Like, There's so much to change, but in terms of, of how do we use this time for positive change? How do we make sure we're being inclusive in our own team? It's, it's twofold. It's like our team and then also our brand partners and allies out in the world doing other things in support of us. Andrea, can I say one thing too? I don't think it's so much, I think what you just, you just said was so right on, but I don't think it's so much about uh, a size thing, right? It's really more about a corporate culture thing. You know, where's the group's understanding of DNI? Where's the leadership? Where's the rank and file? But that will kind of help inform the type of training that is useful regardless of, of the size. So speakers from, you know, different disciplines are, are really helpful. And, you know, academics, literary scholars, you know, experts from, you know, subjects that, you know, that are are broad and um, some really specific, but like those prepackaged uh, corporate DNI, uh, you know, product often feel kind of superficial, right? And we've seen them, we've watched them. It, they almost feel punitive when you're watching them, like those early sexual harassment, you know, training videos often did. Uh, it, it, DNI and and 
the focus of it needs to be inspiring and not punitive. It's, it, it needs to be inspiring. It, it, it's not medicine, right? And so I think as you start to shift uh, the culture and you start to make people think about it in a more positive way, in a more pro, proactive way, that helps. It, 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 it will permeate you know, large companies and, and small companies. Mm -hmm. I agree. Thank you so much for that. I do have a couple of other questions from our um, participants. I'd like to ask these two of you, kind of going back a little bit when we talk about microaggressions. Um, that it's small and saying, do we need actually need aid in seeing it? Are we down to the level that where we need aid in spotting aggression? And sometimes it is micro that you hear something or you see something. Sometimes it is a small thing. We're asking, do we need aid in spotting that aggression? I think so. I think it's similar to what Aaron was saying earlier about the little comments about uh, people of color wearing a mask to go out and how they look like a robber or a criminal. That just those old stereotypes, repeating them and not addressing them in that moment where a lot of people are uncomfortable dealing with conflict, but this is not even conflict. It's so small and it sounds like, oh, that is a joke and that's cute and that's funny, but calling it out immediately and not in a punitive way, but in a, hey, I don't think you understand the implications of that, the history of that, how that ties in or how, uh, uh, you know, as a black woman, if you come in and you're, you're a business person and you're strong and you make money and you do this thing, you do like you're suddenly like, oh, this angry, those old stereotypes still permeate. So when you see them in a small way, where it's just those little comments of, oh, you're one of those, or you're it just, just nipping those in the bud in the culture in your company, not necessarily calling that person out, but I think the conversation has to happen in the rooms. I don't know, you know, maybe uh, um, Laura or Bianca has some experience with that, just in terms of like, how do you change that in the room? I'd be really curious to know what you guys are finding. Um, so I might say something a little radical and I don't really care, <laughs> um, but I recently have been doing sensitivity coaching and it's been with executives um, who like there's been challenges in terms of like cultural conversations and just cultural challenges. And as a black woman, I made the decision that like, I'm not going to have the emotional burden of explaining so much of the context of, of why this was why this was a problem why this was problematic and the massive impact that it had on the culture and the underrepresented people um, at the organization. And what I decided to do personally was have this person and others on their team read the book White Fragility. I was not committed to teaching all of these things because that was an emotional that's emotional labor and that's a lot of what underrepresented people and what uh dni leaders have to have to go through is really like this emotional labor so for me and i, I this is something i said before like honestly it is a lot about the self-work it really is and it's like we say we're committed to this type of culture we say that we're in, we are committed to inclusion and diversity like it starts with having hard conversations with yourself um and that is on the ally part and it's on the, on the represented part like what is our 50 percent like where are we caught in a story that's not empowering for us and as an ally like am i actually committed to doing the work like or am i or am i paying at lip service and i know that's perhaps a little radical but like we're kind of in radical times and um there is a sense of fragility around um yeah there's there's there it is emotional labor i just saw a comment and it's like that emotional labor really needs to be spread out. 
Yes. So with the microaggressions and kind of all of that, like, yeah, it is uh, on the underrepresented or whoever felt like there was a microaggression. Yes, speak out on it. And at the same time, like, how are our allies really educating ourselves, themselves on it? So um, White Fragility is a great book. And for the underrepresented people who do not feel like they want to take on the task of having to teach every single person about why this was problematic and the impact and all that, like, I really, like, encourage everyone to, like, Put that book or Put some book version some of it version so of you it. don't so you don't so everyone's on the so same playing field there's a common language and there's an understanding of like this is why this is the work that needs to be done so that that's my stance on it i yeah. love that thank you for saying yeah. that because we do right. see and i'll just chime in to say that we do have a lot of women who come from other spaces who are execs at studios who come to us and say i just need a place I can let my hair down and not have to explain anything to everyone. So thank you for saying that and taking some of the burden off of us is a great tool that I'm going to take. So appreciate that. Yeah, our, our voice is so important and we have to speak up. Otherwise, nothing changes. We really have to speak and allies are super important. I mean, they're helpful. But if you see something, say something, honestly. You know, it's important. As Bianca said, sometimes you have to have that, that you know, that radical approach and, you know, step out there and do what you need to do and say something. But Bianca, I have yeah. to say, I love that you're doing the sensitivity training because I think something that does come up in this conversation is it is hard, you know, the old cliche of speaking truth to power, it is hard if there's a, a microaggression or a macroaggression to be the person who says something and to Bridget's point to, you know, being like, oh, you're one of those or, oh, well, she's so sensitive or whatever sort of pejorative response people will have. And I think the fact that you're Tackling it from the other side is a really, really important part of this work. Really is. Yeah, and we're and, and I wanted to say like we have um, a executive program where this is literally what is happening. Like we are discussing like how do what does inclusive leadership look like and how do we really own we're all racist, like we all are, but like how do we own it as a place of empowerment and a place where we can stand and and break through that? So I think also like having it be a collective vision, like having it be a collective commitment of part of the organization um, and not, again, as the sidebar conversation because you can have 90% of your organization really committed to this work, really all about inclusion and diversity, but if that top 10% has zero interest, zero commitment, is doing zero work around it, like, unfortunately, it's just not going to, going to progress. Awesome. Great. Bianca, I love the phrase emotional labor. I've never heard that before. It, it is so spot on and it is so perfect. I, you know, I was trying to explain to uh, a client one time about, um, you know, I, I have a big philosophy that, you know, multicultural marketing should not be a line item on a budget, right? Because to your point, it's the first thing that goes. People have to start thinking about this as a business opportunity and then the investment and all that sort of stuff will, will change in how they approach it. But I was trying to explain to this executive, um, a white male, what it was like for the women of color who work for me and the extra burden that they had. I don't even know if burden is the right word, but the extra amount of things that they had to think about every day. They still had to get the same amount of work done. It still, you know, was, there was an expectation that it was going to be at the, you know, amazing level that everything else, 
but they also, you know, have to worry about, you know, I've got a young black son who's going to school and is he going to, you know, come home alive? I've got, you know, I'm watching MSNBC or all these news, you know, programs and I'm seeing people who look like me under attack. And so there is that extra emotional part that they bring to the office that we don't account for. Uh, that plays a huge role in their their stress levels and, and how they perform. I, I love that. I will always give you, I'll always uh, give you credit for, <laughs> for that when I, when I ever use it again. But it, it's, it's a great way to, to uh, I, I don't know if I came up with it. I don't know if I came up with it, but please feel free to use it because it's Exhausting. <laughs> it can be very exhausting. Yeah, it's spot on with that feeling of exhaustion. Emotional labor is great. We're going to have you trademark that. So yeah, seriously. <laughs> File, please. <laughs> we have another question from our participants. Um, how does one respectfully disagree or present vital information to an executive team who are all the same gender and ethnicity? Being an African American woman, um, especially when your professional tone may appear assertive by some been in that room. <laughs> um, I, you know, do, do a lot of philanthropy and I've served on boards, which also tend to be um, really well intended, but mostly white men who have a billion dollars who are giving to a great cause. So I'm on the board with, you know, there's economic diversity in it, but often um, I am the last to speak, not because I don't try to speak, but you can't get your voice in for some reason. And then sometimes people will take what you've said and repeat it as if they just thought of it, like literally just happens in front of you. Um, I imagine any woman has had that experience, um, but I try to listen to all the points, get to the point where I, it's finally my time to, you know, kind of raise my hand. It's not really a raise the hand room. Um, but then just articulate as clearly and as frankly as possible, like, this is important. I understand this. We're doing this for kids of color in South LA. I am a black woman from a public education. I understand this in this way. And you guys have to think of whatever it is I'm fighting for. Usually it's making sure arts stay in schools because how valuable that is and not just um, math. And um, But I think you you have to, Unfortunately for me, and maybe you guys have your way, I try to just craft it in a clear communication. It's, what do we call it? You call it adjusting, you know how you adjust your language in a way that at least you can be heard because like what the um, attendee is asking is you come off as strong. And I've been accused of that and I don't care. I like, I don't care if the intention is right and what I'm saying is for the greater good and for the good of what we're doing, that's what's important. And I literally will talk like I'm saying right now, and I went off on something. So it doesn't take a lot. And I don't know how we continue to shift that, but I try to just, for me, continue to keep a professional tone, be clear and be firm, and just say what's right. Yeah, I agree with that. Thank you for that, Bridget. I really, that, Bridget, I really. 
So I have one last question for all of you, and this is for the entire panel um, with everything that we've discussed today, and it's been some great information. I so appreciate you guys for this. Do you all have any tangible like diversity and inclusion actions that, that our participants today can really virtually share with their companies for continued maybe growth, learning, and some positive change? It's essentially um, new seeds that we can plant now for our, our new norm going forward. Mm -hmm. Eric, can we start with you for that? Sure. Um, by the way, one of the things that I've said to people where, um, and I've said it jokingly, but they got the message when people were talking about something and it was clear that they weren't considering or, or thinking clearly, I, I've said, you know what, I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. And then I shared the data. Um, what I have found with a lot of folks is, um, that the more data that I can share, and there's plenty of data out there uh, to help them understand how to help grow their business, um, the more successful I have been. There are people, and let's be real, that uh, even when they see the data, they are, you know, they're not moved by it. And that, to me, is a cultural um, shift that has to be made if, if in fact, we want to be successful in moving, moving things forward. I found that uh, in some cases, working with ER, uh, you know, employee resource groups at a company um, who have a vested uh, passion for a particular way of thinking uh, for inclusion has been a very successful way to get a culture shift at a company that may not necessarily just want to um, to look at the rational data that's presented in front of them. Um, sometimes you need that groundswell of, of, of folks at an organization to, to get people to move. Um, I don't know that there's one magic bullet, one magic way of doing it. I think everyone's culture, everyone's company is different and you have to find the right thing that's going to motivate the leadership to understand um, how to get more innovative. And for us, uh, that is all about uh, a more diverse workforce and more diverse way of thinking. Bianca? Okay, <laughs> I thought I was next. Um, so I'll be succinct about it. I think um, the first thing is, again, being in discovery, like being in discovery of what your employees need more than ever right now like what they needed a month ago may or may not be what they need right now and do they have a channel where that can be voiced do they have somewhere where like they can actually have the experience of being heard like this is what's working this is what is not working now i'm not saying you have to act on all of those but i'm i'm sure you'll see a theme so I would say one, actually getting a, a, a lay of the land of like what is actually happening right now versus just assuming that like this sounds like a good idea or like throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks because that's very exhausting for everyone. Um, and then back to the discovery point, like, and I said this earlier, but I would actually have for the gatekeepers and the leaders and the decision makers, like, again, getting curious about like, what is their connection to diversity and inclusion? Like what is their passion point? Because again, it's gonna be very different for every person. So taking the time to get curious, to get related to what's important to them will make 
the requests for action a lot easier, but you got to lay the foundation first. So action is really important. I think it's, it is, it's great, but I think you need to have aligned action. So you're not caught in circles or you're not caught doing things that like actually make a problem worse. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, so safe space, we have a diversity and inclusion resource list. Um, it's a, it's a Google doc. It's ever growing. People can look at it. People can access it, add to it. Um, so that's one resource of like, these are tangible things that to measure, to, to be measuring your goals, to be measuring success, to have just like places to stand of like, where do I even start with this? Mm -hmm. Um, so those are the things that I would say along with obviously like we're a diversity inclusion consultancy. So our virtual programs right now are incredibly important when community and resources and structure are um, critical, mission critical. Great, thank you. Bridget? Um, thank you. Um, uh, for my, my thought is that this is the opportunity and a truly authentic time that the nation, let's say 90% of it is on pause, maybe 70% is on pause. Uh, there's no reason not to pressure ourselves to be productive in the way we were. And we're using, I recommend you create an authentic, safe container in your culture. And in that container, you set aside a time once a week where you allow people without judgment to share something that they want to share. Somebody can write it, somebody can say it, somebody can email it. It doesn't have to be, not everybody wants to verbalize it, but respect and honor the way everyone communicates and just create a safe container for people to share what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And then put that in a container and then make sure that your culture is clear, mirror that back. And then as a leader, similar to what Bianca is saying, get interest. I've been being introspective, really mining my mission. What was our mission? Why are we doing that? Go back to the why. Why are you doing what you're doing right now? And what is the purpose and what can you serve? And then as the leader, be vulnerable, be real. I have had my, my share of anxiety. Uh, I've had my share of joy. I've seen opportunities. I've been incredibly inspired. And just, I try to, at least every couple of weeks, remind people, hey, I know I'm, you know, powering through this, but I may, you know, there may be a Sunday where it's just like, I don't think I, I just need to nap today. I don't know what's happening. We're exhausted. So really being honest about and authentic about where I am where where i believe we are and then mirror back to people and then our big mission is ideate and activate so if you have an idea let's let's listen to it let's break it down together and then you activate it and giving people ownership in a way that i don't know that you know your baby you hold on we're very startup and early but now it's just like okay go own it and it's blossoming into something beautiful so if you can do that with your team and just start giving responsibilities. If something falls through, like, okay, that's okay. If there's a mistake made, one thing a really wise friend of mine said is just, you can make a mistake, but just only make it once. That same mistake. Then next time make a different mistake. So just that, that idea of just being authentic, going inside, um, having compassion for where all of us are emotionally. This is a global event that is still surreal. I still think we're in the twilight zone, but let's also acknowledge that in terms of what we're expecting us to come out of this way. Wonderful, that's such great info. I really hope that people put that into practice. Thank you so much, Bridget. Laura? 
Yes, and I'm, I'm just going to take this opportunity to thank all of you because it's been such a privilege to hear your perspectives and I'm really excited about all of the ideas you shared. I would echo everything that all of you have said and, and yeah, Bridget, for us it really comes down to empowerment, um, making our leaders accessible and empowering people to share ideas and run with them. Um, so for us in, in terms of our employee resource groups, like Erin mentioned, um, that's been a really exciting thing to see and to see the grassroots efforts and ideas that come through that space and then actually inform the work. Um, so I think if, if I had one piece of advice to give, it would be like, encourage your people because uh, we literally would not exist without the 650 people that, that work here and, and they're the ones that are, are making this all happen. You guys are amazing. It has been such an honor to have all, have all of you here today. I cannot even tell you that with our new term today, um, emotional labor, how cool is that? <laughs> Thank you. So we got some new stuff going on here. So thanks to all of our panelists for sharing your perspectives and your, and your advice today. Um, and thanks to everyone who participated in attendance. Um, we hope this was so informative and helpful. Um, I just know that if everybody here today who um, participated spreads a little bit of this, this information, it really is going to help to continue our dedication to how important this topic really is. So if your company has any great diversity and inclusion initiatives that are working and would really benefit others, please share them with us at andrea at thinkla.org. That's A-N-D-R-E-A -E at thinkla.org. Thanks so much again for being with us today. And we hope that you join us next week for our continuing webinar series. Um, we're going to have some agency leaders discussing the current situation and its effect on our industry. Um, you can register for this free upcoming webinar and any of our other events, as well as learn more about DIG, our Diversity, Inclusion, and Gender Committee. Um, it's all at thinkla.org. Um, we hope to see you next week at Think Thursday. Take care, everybody. And we so appreciate you. And this has been awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To find out more about our upcoming webinars and events, please go to thinkla.org. You'll also find information on membership and how we continue our mission of serving the Los Angeles advertising, marketing, and media community. Take care.